testing. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kernels of Truth. It's Monday and it's brought to you by Progressive or Progress Kentucky. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. Um, after we check in with, with our co-hosts, we'll, we'll be doing a, a political news roundup. Um, we have a called, call to action to support Governor Andy Brashear against the Kentucky GOP, GOP. And then we have this wonderful informative interview with UK's constitutional law professor, Joshua Douglas. We'll be discussing in that interview voting rights. But first, let me go ahead and get, uh, get a plug in for Progress Kentucky as you're aware, because we say this every single week, that we are an all-volunteer campaign. Um, but we're committed to con connecting the dots between Republican-led, Republican, excuse me, someone's moving my screen, Republican-led policies which harm our state, which while supporting a better political way forward for our Commonwealth. If you care about this mission, which I hope you do because you're tuned in right now, right? And you might have a few of those stimulus dollar bills just sitting over there on the side. Please, 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 please um, head over to our Secure Act Blue page and donate. Uh, make a donation. We'll take $1,400 of those stimulus funds that you have laid to the side or give us, you can just donate 10, 15, whatever dollars that you have. All of this adds up to support our efforts to turn Kentucky purple. So thank you all for that. Okay, so who, where, and what does your protest sign say today? Oh, and you out there in internet, internet land, you're not off the hook either. I want you um, where you are to go to the comments and type in what your protest sign will say. Um, so I'll start it off right here. So I'm your host for today, Denise Gray, and I'm coming to you from the north side of Lexington. Um, and my protest today says, and this is to all those folk out there who, we, who are elected officials who are making laws to stand in my way. So, you place roadblocks on my path to vote. All you do is encourage me to dismantle the system you wrote. Boom, period. So Kimberly, what does your protest sign say? Well, thank you, Denise. I'm Kimberly Cecil Jones and I'm coming to you from Louisville, Kentucky, home of Rihanna Taylor and the Kentucky Derby, which is coming up really, really soon. So my protest sign says today, Republicans in DC and here in Frankfurt, you all have good medical insurance. Use it for your mental health. Awesome. That's an awesome one. Doug, what's your protest sign and where are you? Uh, this is Doug Price from Harrison County, Kentucky, the home of Bullard, the inventor of the hard hat and a leading manufacturer of safety equipment. My protest sign says, the more we vote, the better the people we elect. Excellent. Hey, Ken, Ken, what does your protest sign say and where are you? 
Hey, uh, this is Ken Howe coming from the north side of Lexington, uh, Kentucky. Uh, my protest sign is pretty wild today. Uh, I'm, I'm infuriated, infuriated because Ar Arkansas banned abortion and made it okay for doctors to refuse health care to folks based on religion. Georgia all but banned the right to vote for many. Uh, Minnesota said rape was okay if she's drunk. Uh, and here in Kentucky, we decided to take food from hung hungry kids. So I'm shocked with so many things happening at at uh, the same time, it's, it's overwhelming and I've had it. What can you do? Well, take a look at this. Uh, why don't you join us at HTT, uh, that's, this is my pro protest sign, by the way, HTT okay. uh, colon front forward slash forward slash bit, B-I-T dot <laughs> L-Y forward slash capital J, O-I-N capital C, capital O-T, uh, join us because there is so much going on. We need, we need help. That's it. That's my your protest pro sign. Your protest sign is long winded. <laughs> I hope everybody has that. You get the forward slash everybody. <laughs> so you all, we have a lot to be fired up about this week and actually every day it seems. There's always something that's popping up. But for the news of the week, we're going to be going, doing a round robin, just giving an update of everything that has been happening in our state legislature. So I'm, um, so there are only three legislative committees meetings set to, for today, which I believe there are some committee meetings that are, are that are still taking place right now. None of the bills listed appear to be controversial, but there is always the chance that language can be gutted or change to make substantial changes in all kinds of manner. Fortunately, any bills passed these last two days of the session will be vetoed by, govern by the governor and the legislature cannot, did you hear me? Cannot override. Both the House and Senate convened today and will meet again tomorrow. To start the veto process, it begins y'all. The expectation is that House Bill 312 and House Bill 563 will be the for forefront of potential um, overrides along with a bill, any bills that Gov uh, Governor Bashir vetoed relating to budget funding. Um, so Kim, you wanna start us off on the round robin? Sure, um, Denise, let's talk about House Bill 192 first. Um, Governor Bashir issued nine pages of line item vetoes for House Bill 192. The executive branch budget, the bill limits the governor's ability to spend $2.6 billion of federal funds from the American Rescue Plan Act. The bill simply violates the supremacy clause of the U.S. Constitution and would ultimately slow funds to Kentuckians affected by the pandemic, which is basically what we're really, really concerned about. Uh, what kind of help and funding are the Kentuckians getting? So um, as far as I know at this particular point, um, the governor did veto this particular bill and uh, it's gone back to the house, I presume, and that it's not gonna work out for the constituency of Kentucky at this point. The next bill we want to talk about is House Bill 249. 
The share issued one line item veto to this bill, which is the state revenue bill, but did not touch the $75 million uh, film tax credits and $100 million of historical preservation tax credits for the Sealback Hotel. The line item, line item veto parts of the bill because it creates additional legislative accounts that already exist, suggesting that the use of the new account was vague and unnecessary. This bill also has been, uh, the House has overrode that veto. The Senate hasn't considered it just yet. Denise? Right. So next up is House Bill 258. Um, I'll just go ahead and say that the Senate has um, overridden uh, the governor's veto. However, there, um, so we already have that right there. The governor does not support House Bill 258. So because it cuts retirement benefits for new teachers, cuts more than $70 million to health insurance benefits for educators, families, and cuts raises. Um, this is what the governor has stated in regarding House Bill 258. I have continued to support raises and more benefits for teachers because of educators like Laura Harkey, I can't believe I'm reading that, who teach during the day and drive an Uber in the evening and on the weekends to make ends meet, said Governor Bashir. And for educators who my former coworkers who are working two and three jobs, thank you Senate for not understanding what educators are dealing with. Thank you for being out of touch. Kim? Exactly. So now we're going to talk about House Bill 312. The Senate vote was 22 to 16, House Bill 312. And the governor says, I'm vetoing House Bill 312 because it defeats the entire purpose of the Kentucky Open Records Act, which exists to ensure people's right to know how their government operates. Um, the bill would shield the legislative branch from providing public records and make it if the judge of what records it should produce with no ability for a citizen to appeal if denied. We have covered and vocally opposed this bill following the lead and working with the Kentucky Open Government Coalition. So the Senate vote was 22 to 16 and the House and the Senate overrode uh, Governor Bashir's veto on House Bill 312. So once again, uh, we see exactly what's happening. The next bill is House Bill 320. The governor issued a line item veto for the House Bill 320 for funding 250 million to build broadband infrastructure across the state. Bashir supports the bill, but struck a line that limited the budget to 50 million a year, suggesting additional money is needed to stay competitive. Both the House and the Senate have overrode the veto. Okay, so, um, so that is law then? Yes. And so next up we have House Bill 405, um, which is one step closer to being a law right now. Uh, Governor Bashir struck through several sections of House Bill 405, including a provision that would find would find the governor's budget office for spending 
American Rescue Plan Act funds without legislative approval. He also um, line item vetoed um, $2 million um, of the American Rescue Plan Act funds for Attorney General Cameron to investigate pandemic funds, stating it's not an eligible um, expense under the federal act, which is actually correct under the law. Kim? Well, Denise, House Bill 475 um, was the governor does not support this particular House bill because it intentionally weakens the health and safety protect protections for Kentucky workers. So just to point out to you, this must be law as well, because the House and the Senate overrode the veto from wow. Governor. Wow. The next bill, up, uh, House Bill 563, that's the one that harms public education in Kentucky by taking money away from public schools and sending it to unaccountable private organizations with no oversight. HB 563 would also drain as much as 25 million from public education. Uh, both the House and the Senate overrode the veto. The vote was 51 to 42 in the House. They had to have 51 votes and, they and um, so they just barely made it. An earlier vote was 48 to 47. So there were some people who changed their minds. Wow. I believe we have a video here. First, let me begin by thanking you, Governor Bashir, for vetoing House Bill 563 today. I know you don't take your constitutional responsibilities lightly. And I want to thank you for listening to the voices of the education community, of our concerned parents, and most importantly, of our students. I oppose House Bill 563 and appreciate Governor Bashir vetoing this deeply flawed bill. I'm Jim Flynn, Executive Director of the Kentucky Association of School Superintendents. Thank you, Governor Bashir, for vetoing House Bill 563. Some may ask why we're fighting so hard against this bill. It's because we work every day with students and families from every facet of society. And we believe fundamentally that public education is an inalienable right of those folks we represent. Therefore, the Kentucky Association of School Superintendents opposes the privatization of public funds for education through tax credits for education opportunity accounts. The Kentucky Education Association supports the governor in the veto of House Bill 563. This bill is bad education policy, bad fiscal policy, and bad public policy. House Bill 563 is bad education policy because it has no accountability, no certification, no background checks, and no licensing requirements for the education service providers. So there, there you have it. Um, our legislature has has failed has failed um, my public education, our students, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you, Eddie Campbell. Thank, thank you for standing up. Thank you, the members of KEA. Thank you, members of the 120 United. It's time to do what we got to do. But let me keep it moving. So moving on to Senate Bill 65. Um, this is a cruel, a quote unquote, this is a quote unquote. This is a cruel bill at any time, but certainly in a once in a hundred year pandemic, 
taking food benefits away from children is cruel, said Governor Bashir. One in six Kentucky households with children experience food insecurity. The governor is vetoing, or he did veto, Senate Bill 665 because it will deprive Kentucky children of essential food assistance and it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars in administrative fees. And this is a bill that our Senate decided to override Governor Bashir's veto in meaning to starve children who were already living a, a, in a world where there was severe food insecurity. Thank you, Senate. Thank you, General Assembly. Kimberly. Well, Denise, um, here we're talking about Senate Bill 228. Uh, Bashir rejected uh, Senate Bill 228, AKA the Mitch McConnell succession bill, which upends the presence by letting the party of any senator vacating his or her term to submit a list of three possible selections to the governor. Instead of the governor making the decision uh, and who would best serve the Commonwealth, which we know that would probably be the governor at that particular time. So over the 10 day recess, Governor Bashir stood up for teachers, for transparency and for taxpayers with a number of significant and important vetoes. But on this one, the Senate overrode the veto uh, going to the House at this point, And uh, who knows what will happen next? I, I could probably put some money on it, but uh, you know, I'll keep hope alive. <laughs> and lastly, the scope of the number of bad bills is just daunting. Here's another example of the gone wild Republican Party. We're affiliated with the Commonwealth Alliance of Voter Engagement. And recently, CAVE provided a list of 21 bills that the Alliance supported. 18 of these bills were filed on either January 5th or 6th and assigned to the House or Senate Committee on Committees. The House Speaker and the Senate President control these committees, and there has been no action on 18 of those bills. In other words, good bills do not get heard. Exactly. And so we have people, um, the um, President Stivers of, of the Senate and the leader of the House, who are basically the gatekeepers of the bills that are being seen and gatekeepers for uh, what laws we have here in the Commonwealth. Um, and we can, uh, one example of how they're standing in the way of good policy here for Kentuckians is that, you know, let's speak about Representative Attica Scott, who in her tenure as being representative of her district in Louisville has, has written many bills, many bills. However, not one of those bills have made it to the committee. Not one of her bills have seen the light of day. And these have been bills that have spoken about women's issues, about the cost of sanitary napkins, um, has dealt with hair care, it, you know, um, a black women, making it so that it's not illegal. I cannot be discriminated for wearing my locks freely. Attica has also proposed bill uh, entitled a Breonna Taylor's Law, which then uh, the Senate, President Stivers of the Senate, decided to, in, to enter a whitewash bill using the name of uh, Breonna Taylor. 
enough, you all. I'm I'm fired up. Um, you know, it's easy for me to get fired up, but when I see my my the next generation of leaders being basically their their futures being darkened because of selfish leaders who are elected, it bothers me that public education is not being fully funded. And people understand that without education, you, without education, it's easily easy to, it's easy to get things past people who aren't in the know of what's going on and cannot critically think. So I'm, this is a very unfortunate day. This is, I knew this session right here was going to be an interesting one and I would, I would cast a, two, a tear or two. But this right here is, I'm just thinking about my students, period. I'm thinking about my students who really don't have the food. And these people really took food out of baby's mouth today. Food out of baby's mouth. But I will move on. I will digress because uh, you know I can go on when talking about our students in our community because it's real out there. And I guess many people walk around with silver spoons in their mouths and don't care about those who don't have. But moving on. So um, voting rights around the country are being struck down. Um, a lawmaker in Georgia was arrested for daring to knock on the governor's office door as he signed a bill into, into law which weakened black voters access to the polls. Stacey Abrams called it Jim Crow 2.0. Do we have a video? No? Okay. So, so you ask, what exactly does the Georgia law do? And you ask, why should we in Kentucky even care? Okay, so I'll answer uh, some of the, those great questions that you do have. Okay, so what does the Georgia law do? This is um, one, basically, the law gives the Georgia State Election Board new powers, new powers that weren't there before, to intervene in county election offices and to remove and replace local election officials. This has led to concerns that the Republican-controlled state board could exert more influence, more undue influence over the administration of elections, including the certification of county results. Um, secondly, the, the new law in Georgia makes it a misdemeanor to hand out any money or gifts. So including, but not limited to food or drink uh, to anyone standing in line to vote. Uh, the prohibition extends to 150 feet from the polling place and 25 feet from any person standing in line. So that, uh, if you all can recall um, in the news when Georgia was having its special elections and their, their previous elections in 2020, you would see long lines, extremely long lines, and some well-minded people would bring them water because people were refusing to leave the lines to go get water. And so Good Samaritans were making sure that they had adequate water and food so they could stay, um, keep their spirits up. So that is now under the Georgia law illegal. Third, thirdly, the law shortens the time for runoffs from nine weeks to four, which lawmakers say the current span is exhausted. 
exhausting and needs to be shortened to a more manageable period. So also, Georgia is the only state in our union um, that requires um, a runoff election if you don't, if one candidate does not exceed more than 50% of the vote, more than 51%, I believe, of the vote. And as we saw, um, due to that, there was uh, the two Senate races, which ended up to being a major win for the Democrats coming off with two historical wins, Democratic senators from, of all places, Georgia. First time in history and first time in history that we have a, uh, we have a, a Jewish man and a black man who are leaders of Georgia in the Senate. Amazing. So um, the Georgia law, why you should be concerned about the Georgia law, all, all, um, all who value Americans' fundamental right to take part in our democratic process of voting should be concerned. Um, this is a prime example of what is taking place, not only just in Georgia, it's happening all around the United States. Um, although the Republicans did a great job, great for them, um, did extremely well in the during the 2020 election cycle, notwithstanding the major races of uh, president um, and the Senate races such as in Georgia. They, um, they saw uh, there was a record number of votes that were cast um, and they, they did well. But however, what they saw is that by the record number of voters that turned out, perhaps that was not necessarily a good thing. So they, what they did, what the Republicans in Georgia and around the, around the United States are seeing is that they would like to place as many roadblocks in the path of the people to vote. So um, you all, it's just beginning. Just like I said, in 2018, when, uh, this is just the beginning, you all. Um, we're seeing it now here in Kentucky as well. Um, so Kim, what do you think? I personally think what I've always thought when it comes to the Republicans and redlining, voter yes. suppression, gerrymandering, and all the rest. It goes into that great shell that they have that they always think can never be penetrated. But because of people like Stacey Abrams, yes. uh, people all over this country, such as ourselves, that continue to do the work. And, um, you know, it's just going back in time when I look at things that I've studied in, in the university, as well as things that I have uh, personally encountered, I'm not shocked nor am I surprised ever of anything that the party of racism and white supremacy will do. So uh, this right here, um, it's a Republican-led state yes. um, legislator. So all we have to do is really just look at what they're doing and know that we need to keep a close eye on Kentucky because the same things could definitely be happening here. And they are. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think anybody should take the time out to relax or rest because there is no election this particular year. This is when we need to gear up stronger mm -hmm. to make sure that these atrocities mm -hmm. do not happen in our own state. 
it's rest is for the weary. And right now we don't have time to rest because uh, what we see in our general assembly is, you know, it's there, the transparent, the, the cloak of it being the people's house, the capital is you all it's, we're being locked out and we're being shut out of um, truly what's going on. And everyone should be concerned. Everything that we're seeing in our general assembly in Frankfurt, should be of concern. You should be on watch. In fact, you all should be as equally infuriated as I am. You should be feeling some sort of kind of way right now about the fact that we have a war on voting rights right now. We have a we have a war that's in our faces regarding public education and our public employees and our next generation of leaders. You all should be enraged and ready to do the work. Bob, I mean, not Bob, but Doug, what else do you have to say? You know, I, I can just follow up with uh, it's a well-known fact that the Republicans are the voter suppression party. Mm-hmm. And this has happened across the country. And as one state enacts uh, suppression, this emboldens others to follow suit. But you can count on Progress Kentucky. We're going to be in the forefront of making you aware of these efforts in Kentucky. Excellent. Well, I guess I'll continue this on. So, so what do we need for you all to do? Y'all, it's time to stand up, you all. It's time to not be silent. We need to support these vetoes, support tax dollars going to government programs which help folks who need it. You all, this is the time to stand up. This is the time to to make it known that tax dollars going to private corporations, corporations, what? Even me saying that sounds ridiculous, right? Uh, You can use our outline uh, writing tool right now. It's free, it's fast, and it helps to ensure our lawmakers hear hear from us. We want to send at least 100 letters to support Andy's, Governor Andy Bashir's efforts to impose some common sense, you all some, we need some common sense on the super duper majority that's is bent on taking away the governor's powers and giving away our tax dollars to corporations. You all, I believe the link is out there right now. So you all, so I need for you all to right now promise, actually go ahead and click on the link. I believe Annabelle's putting it right there in the comments area. Go ahead and click on that link and you all, let's get those letters out. Um, If you're feeling on the fence about if you should send a letter, I want to, I'm just thinking about my students, all the students that I've had from Harrison Elementary School to, um, you know, Booker T. Washington Intermediate Academy, to all the schools that I subbed at, to my students at Crawford Middle School, to students that went to Bryan Station and now Frederick Douglass. I'm thinking about those students right there, free and reduced schools, lunch schools. You all, it's real out there. Uh, there are stories that every single educator around the Commonwealth can tell you about how they have supplied food, clothes, deodorant for our students who didn't have it. There are really and truly families out there who are struggling. And we have leaders in the General Assembly who have lost touch 
who have let power go to their heads. You all, this is your time to make your voices heard with a simple send a letter in. This is the time. I'm urging you. I'm calling on you. And if you still feel like I, I, what I do isn't enough, I'm telling you that it is. You matter. And that by just doing this right here, you're going to stand up for hundreds, thousands of students who do not have a voice, obviously, in our general assembly. So thank you all in advance. Thank you. Whew, you all. Whew, this is this general assembly has gotten me in my nerves today. So yeah. So um, earlier this week or last week or over the weekend, I can't recall you all. It, days are running together for me. Um, but Doug and I were on, really honored to have a conversation with UK law professor and constitutional law scholar Josh Douglas. Uh, he's been an important thought leader in the efforts to increase voting access in Kentucky and was generous with his time to share his views um, with the current state of voting in our Commonwealth and in our country. Where can people get that book? Anywhere, Amazon, local bookstore. It's uh, all the places people buy books. It's available. Wonderful. It's called so Vote you, for Us. Vote for Us by Josh Douglas, That's professor right. at the University of Kentucky College of Law. Yep. Thank you for being with us here today. Um, normally, we start off by asking all our guests, what would your protest sign say? So I'm going to throw it out at you. I wasn't going to, but since we know each other, um, what would your protest sign say? Let everyone vote. And we're here for that. Yeah. Now, and let me also say, by the way, that um, uh, my work as an academic and my work on voting rights advocacy is explicitly nonpartisan. Um, and so, you know, I, I've worked with Republicans, I've worked with Democrats, um, and I take a viewpoint that we should let everyone vote while also thinking about the security of our elections, but let's let everyone vote and let the best ideas and the best candidates win and not the election rules. But uh, but I'm not representing any uh, partisan viewpoint or political party. My, my viewpoint is let everyone vote. And I, I would agree with you. Voting should be a nonpartisan issue in that the United States, what was our, what were we founded on? The freedom of the people, um, the Declaration of Independence, you know, and, you know, all that we fought for and all our veterans have fought for is for our, our freedoms. And one of those greatest freedoms is the right to vote. So um, we're thankful that you're here with us today to answer just a few questions. So I'm gonna just switch it over to my partner over there, Doug Price, to begin with the questions. Thank you, Denise. <clears throat> Professor Douglas, we're glad to have you here. I think I've already told you that I, that I bought your book. I uh, haven't read it yet. And you've already told us where we can find it, which is, that is great. As far as voting, is there is the bigger problem fraud or is the bigger problem people not voting? Oh, absolutely the biggest problem is people not voting. You know, there's all this, uh, uh, our theory out there, uh, the big lie that the 2020 election was stolen, um, these crazy conspiracy theories about fraud. And let me say from an academic perspective that while fraud exists sometimes, it's a pretty small amount of fraud. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, when, when we have this debate about voter access uh, versus election integrity, well, we need to make sure that we are, yes, make, you know, securing our elections to avoid potential fraud, but not doing so at the expense of not letting people vote. Um, there's no question for any objective uh, viewer or, or researcher would, would say that while fraud, yes, fraud exists, I'm not going to say that it doesn't exist at all. It's a very small problem, especially as compared to uh, hurdles to the ballot box. What do you think the state legislature could do to help this process? I, the reason I, I mentioned this, um, they passed a resolution talking about voter fraud, but in my opinion, and, and I agree 100% with you, the greater issue, people not voting. Why isn't there uh, something going on and having somebody, you chair this committee that looks at getting more people to vote? Well, I mean, it's a multifaceted problem, right? And, and the question of why do we ha not have higher turnout is complex. Um, you know, 2020's election nationwide had turnout of about 65%, maybe a little bit higher than that. And we were kind of celebrating record turnout. And yet I thought, well, a third of the eligible electorate didn't show up. So although it's great that we had a more engaged electorate, it's not good enough. Uh, when, you, when you get to the end of my book, uh, a little spoiler alert, you'll see that I call for 90% turnout. I say, why not strive for something like 90%? Um, yeah, it sounds crazy only because we've never had something like that before. So the question then is, why do people not vote? Uh, and I think there are multiple reasons. Um, one is that they think their vote won't matter, won't make a difference in the outcome, or even whoever, uh, whoever wins isn't going to change their lives. So we need much stronger civics education so people can understand why it does matter and the history of you know, why this country has tried to to prevent many people from voting. Um, and then hurdles to the ballot box. And we make it too difficult to vote. You know, here in Kentucky, uh, if you don't register 29 days before the election, you can't vote. And so if you can become interested the weekend before election day, too bad. Uh, and there's really no need for that. We know because there's a bunch of other states that have same day voter registration where you can show up to the polls, you can register, you can vote. There's no fraud in those states. They have mechanisms in place um, uh, to, to do that. And, and not surprisingly, those states have higher turnout. So we have a bunch of hurdles to the ballot box um, and we need to break those down. Um, part of the problem is that entrenched politicians run our elections, right? So who do you have to convince? You have to convince the legislature who won under the prior rules. And they think the prior rules are great because they won. So why would you change those rules to risk uh, them not winning re-election? So it's a pervasive problem that needs to be attacked uh, in many different, from many different angles. And, you know, you spoke about the 2020 election, and, you know, the outpouring of voting, which was not even enough for a real prize or a kudos, in my opinion. Um, what do you think about the current efforts of, of leaders who have been elected to positions now, uh, I guess, putting more roadblocks in the way of voting? Yeah, I mean, we see this happening. We see this happening in places like Georgia and Arizona. Um, I know this will be uh, played on, I think, what Monday uh, night, but but we're speaking today 
recording this because um, I have a conflict on Monday. Uh, and we're recording this just a day after Georgia passed a very suppressive voting law that's going to make it uh, very difficult for counties to have drop boxes. It's going to limit the amount of early voting days. It's even going to make it a crime to give someone water or food while they're waiting in line to vote. You know, so Georgia is making it more likely you're going to have longer lines and then prohibiting people from assisting those people waiting in those lines, just giving them some water. And I don't know how water might lead to fraudulent votes. I think the theory is that uh, someone who gives water or like there's these organizations called Pizza to the Polls that send pizzas, uh, people can donate and then send pizzas to uh, people waiting in line. I guess the concern is a slice of pizza might make someone uh, be unduly influenced. You know, I'm only going to give you this slice of pizza if you vote the way I want. I mean, it's, it's absurd, right? right? And what they're trying to do is, uh, you know, the Georgia Republicans, and, and here, although as I started out by saying I'm nonpartisan, I'm also factual. And the fact is, it's the Republican Party in Georgia that is seeing the demographics of the state uh, and seeing how Joe Biden won the state uh, and two Democratic senators won the state. And they're trying to find ways to prevent that from happening in the future. And they think higher turnout uh, is the problem. But, you know, the other thing I'll note about that turnout is we had record turnout in 2020 and Republicans did really well. Yes. Besides, besides, besides the top of the ticket, where you had a uh, historically unpopular incumbent president, Republicans did extremely well, by and large, uh, across the country. And so I don't think Republicans should be afraid of higher turnout and be afraid of the voters. Um, you know, make your ideas and your candidates compelling. Uh, don't try to win elections by shaping the electorate. Now, my friends on the Republican side might say, well, the Democrats are trying to do it, too, by trying to expand voter rolls. But, you know, expanding voter rolls means effectuating the constitutional uh, and fundamental right to vote. I'm not saying we shouldn't have any security safeguards, but let's have security safeguards that make actual sense, uh, that root out real problems, not phantom problems in our election system. Previously here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, um, during the pandemic, we had our governor, uh, Go Governor Andy Bashir and Secretary of State uh, Michael Adams, who were able to put their um, political party affiliations to the side and work together. There's been, um, a, I'm assuming, a small group of folk who, who believe their efforts of working together in setting up the early voting process that were established for us all to vote here in Kentucky was somehow unconstitutional. Have you heard of this, this, this somewhat yeah. of an argument or belief? Yeah, th this will get a little bit into the constitutional weeds, but I can try to do it uh, uh, fairly quickly. Um, the U.S. Constitution says that state legislatures get to decide the manner of appointing presidential electors. So at the founding, many states just said, we just want to give our electors to the candidate we like the most. But uh, history has favored the voter, as, as a Supreme Court decision uh, has noted. Uh, and every state now has passed a law saying the voters get to decide uh, and vote on election day to appoint our presidential electors. Um, now, the, the issue that some people are raising um, is that if the governor and secretary of state jointly change or promulgate election rules for how that presidential election will run. And also the same kind of sentiment applies to 
uh, the running of congressional elections. The, the Constitution says that the legislature shall decide them. Uh, the argument is, well, if it's the governor and secretary of state that's creating rules for expanding early voting, uh, for example, or expanding absentee voting, and that's how we're selecting the presidential electors, well, then that's not the legislature. Uh, so in, in, the, in the law, this is referred to as the independent state legislature doctrine, where essentially the legislature gets to be completely independent of any other constraints that the governor uh, can't have a say, the secretary of state can't have a say, the state Supreme Courts can't have a say. So this was an argument in Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court issued a ruling saying that the, the prior rules about when absentee ballots could arrive violated the state constitution, which grants the right to vote. And the argument was that that was in itself unconstitutional under the federal constitution because it was the state Supreme Court making rules for the election instead of the state legislature and only the legislature should have the power to do so. Now, I think there are a lot of flaws with that argument, but that's the argument that uh, some people are making to say the legislature and only the legislature should be allowed to make election rules for federal elections. Gotcha. H.R. Uh, 1, For the People Act. I know you've been following that. Uh, among the key tenets of the bill to overhaul the nation's elect election system, allowing for no excuse mail voting, at least 15 days of early voting, automatic voter registration, restoring voter rights to felons who have completed their prison sentences. Are these good ideas or bad ideas? They're generally good ideas um, because they would impose rules on states that expand voter access while also ensuring the integrity of the system. So, um, you know, expanding voter access and election security don't have to be mutually exclusive, but we have to look at best practices. And in fact, my book uh, looks at all those exact reforms you mentioned and you know, Congress didn't make them up. All of those things that you listed are already happening in some states around the country. And they're happening in so-called blue states, they're happening in so-called red states, they're happening in so-called purple states. So people are afraid of vote by mail. Utah has entirely used, has their election by the mail. No one seems to think that democracy is broken in Utah and that the Republican Party is somehow uh, at risk of losing um, by, by using an expanded voting system like that. And so what Congress did when, when crafting HR1 was look at the best practices of, from around the states, you know, all the things I talk about in, in my book, and use those that are already working well to expand voter access without imposing integrity concerns and, uh, and putting them in, into the bill that Congress certainly has the constitutional rights under the US Constitution to direct states to do these things, at least for congressional elections. The US Constitution says that states shall uh, determine the time, place, and manner of running elections, but Congress may alter or amend those regulations. So Congress is allowed to step in and, and mandate changes for how states run their congressional elections. So uh, HR1 has a lot of great things in the bill. There's you know, stuff I'd like to see that is not in it, like even further expansions. Um, and I also highlight that you know, Kentucky is, is seen, being seen as a national leader again with this new bill going through the legislature right now, HB 574, which has a few things that are kind of similar to HB 1 in, in Congress. Um, but the, the Kentucky version, it's very mild. Um, so it certainly doesn't have everything I'd like, but it's a great compromise bill. 
Um, it has stuff like three days of early voting required. Now, three days doesn't sound that great, except for when you realize that we had zero days of early voting exactly. previously. Um, yeah, I've heard the argument that, well, the bill is taking away absentee voting, voting like we had in 2020. And that's not accurate. We had absentee voting, expanded absentee voting in 2020 because of the governor and secretary of state's emergency regulation. But the law is that there's very limited absentee voting. I'd like to see that expanded. It's not in this bill. But what the bill does have is it makes the online portal to request an absentee ballot for those who are eligible, it makes that permanent. Um, it also has good, great security things like mandating paper ballots. Uh, for any new voting machines or having a risk limiting audit after the election, which basically is a way to verify that the machines uh, worked properly and that the count was correct. So uh, this is a great compromise bill that's got a little both uh, of things for both sides, which is why it has so much support in the legislature. Um, HR1 uh, is seen as a democratic power grab. I disagree. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a voting rights power grab. It's it's let's expand yeah. the electorate yeah. and make it easy for people to participate. I would recommend everyone go out and purchase on Amazon and where all books are sold. Vote for us by Joshua Douglas. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for your input. Very valuable. All righty, Kim, you have anything you want to wrap us up here? That was such a spectacular interview that uh, you and Mr. Doug Price did. I, uh, I learned a lot. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of all of our listeners and viewers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that great interview today. And you know what else? Uh, today is the day that you and everybody else uh, that's listening within the, the earshot of my voice, please invite all your friends uh, to like our page. We are close to 5,000, I believe, and we can make it this week. I know we can. All you have to do is just go on our Facebook page, Progress Kentucky page, and you know what? There's a little section that says to invite your friends. Just invite all of them. You know, the ones that want to come aboard, they can come aboard. And the ones that don't, don't. We need the numbers, okay? Then the other thing I would like to say is, it's time to turn Kentucky purple. I know right now it seems a little far-fetched with everything that's going on in Frankfurt, but we can do this. We can do this. One person affects thousands, which affects millions, and just you one person can make the difference. So make sure you go and like our page, invite your people to like our page, all your friends and family, and even those that you don't even know that are your Facebook friends. And, you know, stay with us on this. So we need more kernels of truth, okay? And what I mean by that is we need more people to call out the propaganda and the ridiculous claims of folks like Mitch McConnell, Rand Paul, and Andy Barr. So we're hatching a plan to reach out, hatching a plan. Isn't that nice? Because it's about to be Easter. Let's hatch this plan this week, okay? So we are hatching a plan to reach our neighbors and mobilize folks around the state to join us and take action. But it's going to take you and it's going to take some resources. We're going to print up some postcards. We're going to add some handwritten messages. And we're going to spread the word. We've got a goal of raising $1,500. Sounds like a little drop in the bucket, but it isn't. 
because we need more people to donate. You got the stimmy stimmy check. Hey, give us a little bit of it for this work that we do. And then also just want to say thank you tonight to Miss Denise Gray for her wonderful work of hosting the show tonight. Thank you to Doug Price. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. And most of all, thank you also to Ken Howe of Couchfire Media. Now, Couchfire Media does several of things. Uh, they do, they ignite multi-camera live stream, fictional narrative, non-fictional, educational, informative animation, and commercial video production content. Set your content on fire with Couch Fire Media. Now, also, we all do a little something, something here and there. And the host tonight, Miss Denise Gray, you like to see more of her? You surely can do that. And you can go to see her uh, every uh, every month and the second Sunday of every month for her show called Conversations, Kentucky Conversations with Denise Gray. You can find the link and see some previous episodes on the Bluegrass Activist uh, Facebook page or on her public figure page, Denise Gray. So make sure you're checking my girl out because she's real good. She's got it going on over there. And I would be remiss if I did not also mention every Sunday, the Jones Report with yours truly, me as the host, Kimberly Cecil Jones, Mike Breuer, and Betsy Foster. We talk about all things national, international, and we bring you news that you can use. So check us out at 1 p.m. every Sunday on the Facebook page, which is the Jones Report radio program. And of course, Ken Howe is our producer as well. So you know the content's great. And you know what, this week, I know it's been really hard hearing about all the vetoes and everything else that's happening, but I just want you to remember, all it takes is one person. All it takes is you and me and a few other people and a few other people and a few other people. And we can make something happen like turning Kentucky purple. So this week, be a blessing to someone, help someone out. Think of someone besides yourself this week and you know what? You'll get double the portion and blessing. So until next week at 7 p.m. right here on this same bat channel of Progress Kentucky, Colonels of Truth, we'll see you next week. Happy Easter. <laughs> <laughs>